Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. My name is Adam Wood, and uh, my family and I are missionaries in the kingdom of Cambodia. Tell us about the immediate members of your family. I have a wife, Allison, and then uh, my, I have six children. Uh, I have two boys, three girls. The boys are on the ends. They're the, uh, if you compare it to a sandwich, they're the bread. Mm-hmm. And then we have four girls in the middle. And uh, the, bo- the oldest is Joshua. He's 18. Anna is 16. Abigail is 14. Charity is 12, and uh, uh, Mary Lynn is 10, and Isaiah is 9, as we speak anyway. Uh, so that's we have all the way from 18 down to 9 years old. Where did you grow up? So <clears throat> I grew up in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, a lot of people assume that because I grew up in Greenville, especially people that, are, you know, that, that know the Lord, uh, they assume that you know, I probably went to or was associated with Bob Jones, but in, in fact, I wasn't. Uh, my family are my family has been native Greenvillians since before Bob Jones existed, mm-hmm. um, and so for several generations, a number of generations, my family's been in Greenville, and uh, so I grew up. I grew up kind of as you might say on the wrong side of the tracks in the Greenville sense, in that my family uh, were you know we were had a semi religious background, and uh, right. but uh, kind of like every other Greenvillian, you know. Uh, kind of religious. Right. So with that in mind, what was life like for you as you grew up and, and what was the religious atmosphere? Well, if you go back several generations to my, my great grandparents, uh, one of them was a, was like a lay preacher in the church mm-hmm. of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, my grand, my great grandmother, my, my mom's grandmother was um, she was well known as someone who hosted prayer meetings in her house, someone who went to church every time the doors were open someone who um, spent time in prayer and everybody knew it, you know, so she had a devotion to God that was undeniable. Right. Um, so that, that kind of flavored my upbringing, my religious upbringing. And so that's on my mom's side, but on my dad's side, uh, his family was, was, was Catholic. So my dad is from South Florida and mm-hmm. my mom and my dad met in Tennessee my dad's family was all was all uh, were all Catholic, and so when my mom and my dad split up when I was really young, I kind of got pulled between the two a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, but I would always uh, I would always consider myself, or someone had asked me, I would I would have told them I was Catholic, and I was for that matter. I had been christened, and 
receive first communion, uh, which is two of the sacraments. Right. And so when my when my dad moved away uh, to back to South Florida from where he was from, uh, when I would visit him, we would go to the Catholic Church with you know his family. And then when when I was in Greenville, even though my family was had been religious in generations past, uh, that we did we didn't go to church not even for for Christmas and Easter. We we very very rarely went. Although wow. although uh, I hasten to say that uh, our family we did though we were worldly and pleasure seeking and you know. That kind of thing. Our family did have a, a great reverence for the Bible, as far as at least in in theory, um, not sure, so much in sure. pra- practice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but as far as you know, reverencing the Bible and uh, church and things—that's something you know we all did. But so my my mom's grandmother, who was the one who was you know she was a faithful member of, of the Church of God. Right. She, um, you know, so she had children and and they strayed away from you know, from their upbringing. And then my mom straight even more. And so by the time you got to me and my family, we were, we were pretty far out there, uh, not atheists, not agnostic or anything like that. We firmly believed in God and seven day creation and, you know, um, and the truth of the Bible and that kind of thing. But we did not know God. Uh, there's, it's that we just, we had a reverence for God, like so many people in Greenville. But we did not. We did not know God. We were not born again. No one in my family was. No one. Right. Um, not my brothers. Not my si- Not my brother. Not my sisters. My grandmother. My mom. My grandfather. No one was a true Christian. Sure. And so coming up, like I said, when I would go to Florida, I'd, I'd go to the Catholic Church. But at home, uh, where I lived in Greenville. Um, I didn't go to church, but throughout my upbringing, sometimes I would go to a, like a non-denominational church or um, a Southern Baptist church. But one experience that was that was significant is when I was about eight years old, I um, uh, had a close friend through through my my dad, his family, and uh, he his family was were members at Choice Hills Baptist Church, which was an independent Baptist church, which is where our family is is sent out of now. Right. Um, so, um, so he, uh, so he invited me to go to the church and when I would stay the night with him on Saturday night, we'd go to church on Sunday. And so I would be involved in their, in their children's ministry. And one time when I was about eight years old, uh, I, uh, you know, the, the children's church worker, uh, he, you know, they went through the service and raised, he asked for, for hands to be raised to people that wanted to be saved. And so I raised my hand and he sure. took me back into a Sunday school room. And uh, I don't remember anything about what he said or anything like that, but I, I remember him going. Uh, I remember he used to. He was a guy, and he always wore his his necktie too tight, so he was constantly pulling on his <laughs> necktie. <laughs> Crazy thing to remember, but um, yeah. he went in the Sunday school room. He went through the Romans Road. I do remember that, and uh, you know, I just repeated the prayer, and and for a long time, I, I considered that to be my quote unquote salvation experience and mm-hmm. but in truth even after that you know i i didn't identify as as a you know a born again christian or anything like that um if someone had asked me when i was 12 or 13 or 14 years old i would have said i was catholic still wow. and uh so so i kind of had a divided religious life 
and I didn't really fit in anywhere as far as that goes. Um, but in practice, uh, despite all of that, my family will, I mean, we were just, we were just worldlings. We just, sure. um, partiers, drinkers, immoral. I mean, there was drugs involved, um, wow. with, you know, so I don't want to give anybody a false impression that we were, we were semi-religious. We really weren't. Um, right. So you, you were the typical Southern American, you know, exactly in, to some, some extent. Yeah. I remember growing up and I would see people, we would, we have this festival in, in Greenville called fall for Greenville in the, in the autumn. And it's mm-hmm. just a big, you know, it's a big kind of family festival they have in downtown Greenville. So it's a real, it's real fun going to growing up. It's, it's still kind of interesting that food stuff, but uh, I would go down there and I would see people on the street, you know, in the middle of the street, the streets were closed off and, you know, people would walk down the, down the street and go to different fenders and such. Mm-hmm. And they would, there would be people that, that I didn't know at the time, but they were passing out gospel tracks. And really? I, I've, since I've been a Christian, since I've gotten saved, I've done that very thing. But sure. at the time that was always so curious to me. It was all, I remember noting it in my mind and I, I, I didn't mock them or, make fun or I just walked by and I was the kid who walked by and took the tract and just right. walked by and then like looked over my shoulder, just curious at what he was doing and why he was doing <laughs> yeah. it. You know, yeah. you, you, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 So that, that was well, me. What, but what did you, but what did you think as you, as you were it's, making these mental notes? What, what, how did that, how did that appear to you? I, I, I can't say I know exactly wh- how I thought about it. I just remember it sticking out in my mind um, yeah. and, and just thinking that's, that's odd. I, what, what stood out to me is the fact that he wasn't doing what everybody else was doing. Everybody else was walking down the street and with, you know, with their friends and going to the different food stalls and such, but he wasn't, he was standing in the middle of the street, passing out pamphlets. And so it just, it just, it just stood out to me. It's like that guy's different and not, you know, I don't mean to sound like, I, you know, he had a glowing radiance, you know, because he was a believer, <laughs> but right. he stood out because he was, you know, he was doing, he was obviously giving out stuff about Jesus. And that was just curious to me. So, so all of that kind of, um, all of that kind, kind of sh- shaped your, your, your religious atmosphere. Exactly. And I would say growing up and, and this relates to the, the question, you know, in the outline you, you gave, it's uh, it relates to the next question, which is. Coming up, I was I would say I was never I don't remember ever being really antagonistic toward the gospel. I was just really ignorant to. Right. To what it meant to be a true Christian. Um, sure. I mean, this is that's the story of so many people in, you know, in the, the, the area of the country where I grew up. So, so what about your, your mom and grandma? Are they, uh, how, how are they doing now as far in, in terms of their relationship to the gospel and to church and, and, you know, maybe being a little more disciplined to their service to Christ? Well, uh, I am, I'm just thrilled, uh, to report that since I got saved in 1999, um, my mom has gotten saved. My sister's Amen. gotten saved. My grandmother's Amen. gotten saved, and uh, and my grandfather before he died, he uh, you know right before he died, uh, a preacher went and talked to him and uh, indicated that he 
he also trusted in Christ. So wow. I, I, uh, to God be the glory, my family yeah. has been totally, totally changed through because of the gospel. And the irony is that, you know, they drifted away from, from their, their moorings, you know, when they were, when they were younger and the irony is God has kind of brought them back, but, but not just brought them back, but has made them better than, than it was originally, if that makes sense. Um, For instance, my grandmother growing up was not someone who, who loved God or followed God at all. But now she's, you know, she faithfully reads her Bible and prays and same thing with my mom and they've, they've been saved and they've gotten baptized and, and, you know, so my sister, she has, you know, Christian family and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, the Lord, the Lord totally changed our whole family, not just me, um, but our whole family through, um, you know, through the gospel. Sure, sure. So, uh, back to when you were you're growing up. As you were growing up, from from being a a child to a teenager, would you say you were rebellious growing up, or were you you more of an obedient child? And not strictly in the religious t- sense, but just in general. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say um, I had a I had a pretty pretty nasty temper when I was growing up. Um, <laughs> uh, my mom sometimes reminds me of the the walls and doors that had to be repaired in our house as a result of it. But, <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Back in the days. You're, you're, Nintendo, you're, you're such a, you, you seem to be such a quiet guy. I just, I, some of that would be hard for, I think some people to oh, imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was bad, but you know, um, as a teenager, I would put it like this. So I had, I had a temper, but, mm-hmm. but I actually didn't have a whole lot of restrictions growing up. So, because okay. my family, my family was not very religious. So we had, we had some restrictions, but it was, it was fairly loose in my house. Mm-hmm. So there was not a whole lot to rebel against, <laughs> if that makes right. sense. Sure. Um, sure. So, but I, I did have a good relationship both with my mom and my dad, even though they live, they live in separate States. Um, so I, I wouldn't say I was religious. Uh, I'm sorry, rebellious. Uh, but as far as obedience, uh, I, if, if I was obedient, it was, a, it was, it, I don't want anybody to get the impression that I was, um, moral because right. there were right. things that, that everybody knew in my house that went on that were not, that were not righteous at all. And so that's kind of, I, I didn't rebel against my parents. Uh, I will say, I will hasten to say though, that coming up, um, I don't know why, and I've I've thought about this a lot, a lot as I've gotten older, especially. Mm-hmm. Is I did seem to have a tenderness toward God for most of my upbringing, and well, when in other words, whenever of course I didn't, I wasn't really confronted with the gospel in a very clear way until I was in late in my teenage years. But mm-hmm. but uh, but as far as but as far as uh, the times that I had an interaction with the gospel, you know, it's, there seemed to be a, for whatever reason, a tenderness uh, in me toward that, whether it be our conversations at home or whether it be a church, a church service or whether it be mm-hmm. people passing out tracts on the street or 
whatever, you know, there was a certain tenderness and maybe that has something to do with my upbringing. Maybe it was, it was the grace of God in me. Um, I don't know, but sure. Um, now as I, as I got to my later teenage years, closer to the time that I got saved, mm-hmm. I, I would say that, you know, 15, 16, 17, some of that started to waver a little bit. I would say it was a little bit of a darker time, but ironically, that was the time I got more religious. Um, mm. So let me tell you the story of that. Yeah. So what happened was, is I came into my teenage years, started going to high school and working and that kind of thing. So my family, who were not religious at all, who were immoral, they, they got a, on a whim. They decided that they wanted to go to church. It was around the time that my aunt and my uncle got married, my mom's sister. and. Mm-hmm. So they decided they want to go back to the church uh, where their family grew up, uh, where, you know, my mom's grandmother went and that kind of thing. And because, you know, you know this, when someone, when, when two people decide they want to get married and they don't go to a church, well, they have to start going to church so that they have a place (laughs) to get married. (laughs) So that's kind of what happened, but uh, the Lord used that. So what happened is, they started going to uh, a church called Woodside Church of God. I went with them just, you know, we were Sunday morning glories. And and that was around the time I was, you know, 15, 16, something like that. And so my mother had, uh, my mother and my, my her sister had been to Choice Hills Baptist Church. And they knew mm-hmm. my pastor, Stan Craig. Um. And so on a whim, they decided they went to another church, which is an independent Baptist church. So we were getting, we were getting closer to, you know, doctrinal truth and, you know, straight preaching. We went to another independent Baptist church. It was just a little more watery, but, but anyway, they preached the gospel and that kind of thing. And then we went from there and, and my mom on a whim decided to come to Choice Hills Baptist Church. Right. Right. And so my whole family went, my mom and my aunt, her husband and, and my, my grandmother, my grandfather, our whole family would come and we, they, we'd come on Sunday morning. And so at that time, I was a, you know, I was a, te- I was a teenager, 16, 17. And so I, became, I started to become more and more involved at, at church. And I became part of the youth group. And, you know, and, and as I did, I started, you know, people started confronting me with more scriptural terminology. For instance, born again, and uh, you know you need a salvation experience. You know what day? What day did you trust in Christ? Those kinds of things that are biblical, and um, and so in the youth group, um, that's when I started to get more and more involved and do visitation, uh, you know, and evangelism, and I even preached on the radio. Uh, because my pastor had a radio program on Saturday and he called it the youth broadcast. So I got more and more involved in that and I wasn't even converted yet. And if you had asked me at that time, when I, when I had gotten saved, I would have told you when I was eight during that children's church. Wow. Uh, message. Yeah. That's what I would have said because by that time I had, I had studied the Bible a little bit and I knew that Catholicism was not uh, scriptural in this, in his doctrinal teaching. So I had not, I I didn't believe that anymore, but but my salvation experience was in essence that you know that eight year old thing. But right, right. But when I was seventeen, 
as I got more and more religious, my family would come up to church on Sunday morning, but I was there every service. You know, I got more and more involved. And this, it started to kind of become a dark time in my life because, because I was more religious than I had ever been. Did but, something happen to cause that or, or was it just kind of the direction you, had, you were moving in? Well, I, I think my family would agree, and they'll probably listen to this, but my family would agree that I got more religious, but in some ways I got kind of, kind of nastier, kind of meaner. It kind of made you aggressive almost? Yeah, yeah. It kind of kind of made me aggressive. I'll give you a, a good example. To this day, my grandmother will bring up to me during those that intervening couple of years, she'll bring up to me how that um how that I was uh uh I would go to church and then I would lose my temper at home. And she would say she and I would I would use foul language at home. And this is, wow. I mean, this is when I was going to church regularly, faithfully, you know, all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I would use that foul language and she would say, well, if that's, if that's what it means to be saved, then I don't want to have any part of it. Wow. And so that's, that's what I'm saying. And in my mind, it's kind of a dark time because that's when I was religious, but lost. And sure, sure. And that's when I had started to have, you know, doubts uh, about my own personal salvation, slowly those doubts would start to creep in, and um, and then finally, when I was seventeen, uh, during between my junior and senior year of high school, after having a lot of these doubts, my uh, my fam, uh, I'm sorry, my church went to a youth camp. Uh, they had a youth camp, and so they went to the youth camp, and they invited me to go. I went. And, uh, and so when I was 17 at the youth camp is when it all kind of came to a head as far as my, those doubts about where I stood with God truly. And a man in the, uh, one of the counselors in the camp gave a, a testimony similar to mine where he had, he had made a profession of faith, but he wasn't, he had not truly been converted. And, and so the Lord, the Lord knocked on my heart that day and, and uh, showed me that I was for the, probably, I would probably say for the first time, it just, it was just clear. It was just perfectly wow. clear. And wow. I had a hard time admitting it because I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be one of those, you know, right. Right. Those lost people, <laughs> you know, because by this time I had been in church and stuff. So I didn't want to be one of those lost people. I didn't want to admit that. But finally the Lord worked in my heart and uh, around 1230 in the morning uh, on August the 4th, 1999 is when uh, I called on the Lord to save me. And he did. Wow. And, uh, and it was like, I mean, I mean, obviously it was like a complete and total change in my life that even my grandmother who, who I just mentioned, you know, when I used the foul language, she, she noticed immediately a total change in me, uh, through, of course, through the gospel. And that is the, the Lord used that experience in my life to send shockwaves through my whole family. And it wasn't long after it wasn't long after that my sister got saved, and then a couple of years later, my mom got saved, and my grandmother got saved, and um, and my aunt. You know, it's there's a there's a lot that goes into that. But wow, um, wow. Now, so that you said that was about seventeen when that happened. That was I was seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 then not long after that, you know, if I if I 
have this right or or and and I actually don't know the details so you know feel free to elaborate and kind of fill in the blanks but you at some point joined the military yeah how did you get from from saved at 17 to the shockwave going through your family to heading off into I believe it was the marine corps mhm so my uh so I got saved when I was 17 but right before I started my last year of high school and right after I got got back the a, a revival kind of broke out in our church, our, which is my, my home church now. And during that time, someone in my church offered to pay for me to go to my last year of high school at a Christian school, which is Tabernacle Christian School in Greenville. Really? Which is where Dr. Seitler was was the pastor before he died. Yeah, yeah. So so someone paid, I don't know who, who it is to this day, but someone paid for me to go. And so when I, so I said, yeah, I'll go. And so I, I went to Tabernacle for my last year of high school. And uh, that's where I met my wife, which was, she had also transferred uh-huh. from a public school to Tabernacle for her last year of high school as well. Really? And, and so I met her there. Well, it was at that time during that, that year of high school that I'd always had a dream of, uh, I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Now I, I, I changed my mind over and over and I was going to go into the air force Academy. <laughs> then I was going to go to the, yeah. na- the Naval Academy and go into flight school yeah. kind of thing. So that was my, kind of my dream. Well, after I got saved, that started to change. But shortly after I got saved, when I was still uh, kind of growing, learning, uh, you know, learning what it meant for the Holy Spirit to lead me, and I was still very green. So this, I got saved August 4th. So in September, I, uh, I joined the delayed entry program in the Marine Corps, and right. I went and, and did the processing, said the oath, and and then I remember being at the the uh, I think they call it the MEPS station, which is where they they where they process you for the delayed entry, but you don't actually go to recruit training until later after high right. after you finish high school. So um, right. I remember the whole. This is the first time that the whole that I remember clearly the Holy Spirit telling me, "Stop! Don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it!" And uh, I was at the, uh, the 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 MEPS station processing to to join. And so we, I, I went ahead and did it and I joined and I said the oath and for the rest of this and for the rest of my senior year, I had a really hard time with it because I knew that I had done it outside of what God wanted me to do. Wow. But then now I'm in a place where I've made a, made an oath. You know, I've, I've given my, given my word that I was going to do this. And right. so, um, but I came to the conclusion, uh, that, that even though I, I didn't do it, do it in God's will. Yet, because I have given my word and made that oath, I had to follow through. And so when high school was over, uh, July 3rd of 2000, I left for a Marine Corps boot camp and I joined the Marine Corps Reserves. Uh, So I had six months of training. And then after that, I uh, would join my reserve unit in the middle of December of that year. Um, And then I I was in the reserves for six years until 2006. Well, and then from there you went back to Greenville. Correct. My reserve unit was in Greenville. Correct. Okay. And then you know, so were you? So so you spent you were you were you were in the reserve. So you were at home still with your family. Did you go to uh, college or go to school or Bible school or any of that through, during that time? Well, actually, as soon as my my six months of training was up, and I came back to Greenville and joined my joined my reserve unit. Four days later, I got married. So. Once I left home to go wow. into recruit training, <laughs> <Easy life. laughs> yeah. Once I left home to go to recruit training, my mom like 
destroyed my room and painted it pink. So um, <laughs> maybe purple. <laughs> so I didn't go home. After <laughs> <that>. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I uh, so I got married right after that. And then right after I got married, um, I joined I w- went into uh, Tabernacle Baptist College. Um, so I started okay. I, I started my first year of Bible college uh, six months or uh, half half of the year, one semester late. So mm-hmm. so after that, I was in Bible college and I was married. And then I, I did the, the reserves concurrently like that. Right. OK. Now, considering your childhood all the way up to your your um, teenage years, just before your adult life or maybe into your young adult life, is there someone that stood out to you that was most influential in your life? Um, as far as religiously uh, dealing with spiritual matters, um, I can't say that I know anyone that was influential in my life um, in spiritual things. Um, but as far as preparing, as far as influential in my life in general, it would be my Mm -hmm. mom and my dad, uh, definitely because they, my mom, my grandmother and my, my, my dad, they shaped my kind of my worldview and whatever religious ideas I had, I I no doubt got from them, but outside of them, I I can't identify anybody that was especially influential to me. Wow. Was that because, would you say that was because maybe you were more of, more withdrawn or was there just really, there was just really no interaction with people that would have influenced you in that direction? Yeah, I think the people, I think the people who I was, I interacted with were generally just non-influential. They were, you know, like I said, they, in my upbringing, there was, I don't remember anyone who had a clear sense of, even a clear sense of direction in their life, you know, who would be kind of a role model, you know what I'm saying? So uh, it was just going from one pleasure to the next and, you know, nobody stands out in my mind as, you know, wow, they affected me. And now since I've gotten saved, well, that's totally different, but. Sure, sure, sure. So yeah, up until that time, I I don't know anybody outside of my parents, my grandparents. Wow. Well, Praise the Lord! You ended up where you did. So <laughs> um, now you 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 have already talked about you know essentially the the point in time when you came to know the Lord. Can you give a little a few more details as to uh, what shaped that? What happened there? You know, you said it was it was twelve thirty in the morning. I mean, what what were you doing? What 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 made all that come to pass? Well, I worked at Chick Fil A at the time because I was I was still a teenager, so I, I worked at Chick Fil A. And the camp started, I forgot what that meant, like a Tuesday or something like that. And I had to work that day, so I couldn't go to the camp with everybody else. And so I um, so I asked for work off. They let me off uh, the next day because I was scheduled to work when, uh, let's see, Tuesday, Monday. I can't, I get the days mixed up. I have to look at the calendar again. But, but anyway, they let me off work uh, the second day, so I was able to go the second day. So I drove up to the camp on my own. And when right. I got there, one thing that stood out to me is I got there early in the morning and or I got there during the day. And then uh, we had a service that night. And then um, the next day was. Uh, uh, the next day they had like quiet time. And I remember distinctly feeling so out of place at the quiet time. Um, the idea is, you know, of course, you you know, you spend time reading your Bible and in prayer and stuff like that. 
And, you know, I read my Bible like everybody else was doing and that kind of thing. And I was quiet, but I just felt, you know, the idea of devotion to God was, was foreign to me. Right. Right. And I remember before, uh, you know, when I was a teenager, like I said, I was, I was religious. I, I, some people, I, this is, this is funny. It's, it's funny in a kind of sad way, but you know, my pastor and stuff would talk about people praying for a certain length of time and that kind of thing. So I would, I had my prayer list and I would pray every, each day I'd pray, but I'd set my, a timer mm-hmm. and I'd pray through the prayer list until, you know, if it was 20 minutes, I'd, I would pray for 20 minutes <laughs> by yeah. a timer, <laughs> you know, so I could say I, I prayed for 20 minutes, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, so as you can, as you can imagine, it's, it was pretty robotic. So the idea of a heartfelt, yeah. sincere devotion to God that would, you know, God in us working in us to, to will and to do of his good pleasure. It right. was, it wasn't there at all. And at the time I thought it was, you know, mm-hmm. cause I could point to the experience and the things I was doing and the, you know, I knew the verses and, you know, I knew how to quote witness to people and, um, but looking at, looking back on it retrospectively, it is, it, it was such a shame. Um, one example of that period in my life, um, I had a friend of mine, we, we would go out and, uh, and we'd drive around sometimes. And so one time after church, we drove around, uh, we were going somewhere and there was a guy walking down the street mm-hmm. and we just saw him. And so I rolled down the window. I, I told my friend, I said, he was in the passenger seat. I said, roll, roll down the window and tell him to get saved. And so he rolled down the window. And <laughs> as we drove by, you know, he just, he sticks his head out the window and yells, get saved. And I thought, I thought that was, that was pleasing to God. Wow. I thought, you know, I thought, you know, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. And, you know, instead of stopping and talking to the guy. Sure. It was a, it was like a mockery, right? but that's kind of, uh, illustrative of the kind of mindset that, that I had. And, and I look back on it and it's just shameful. It's just, just sure. plain shameful that, and how poorly I represented the name of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, like it or not, I did, but right. Right. But well, it, 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 it sort of sounds like, you know, you picked up quite a bit of the religious aspects of, of. Roman Catholicism. So you, you, you were, you were trying to institute, you know, a legal system in a sense that you thought might make God happy from a religious perspective. You just never really, you just hadn't yet picked up that, that, that heartfelt desire to be genuine with people and sit down and tell them the truth. Well, it was just, it was just, it was just, uh, it was empty. It was, it was religious. It was empty, a religious exercise. And it was right. following the dictates of now again, the people that I went to church with knew God, <laughs> but it was me. <laughs> yeah. It was me mimicking what sure. they were doing in a kind of carnal way, right? Um, and without without the the heart of it, without the without the God part of it, yeah. And yeah. as I look back, that's why I say that time was the darkest time in spiritually speaking in my life, because wow. that's the time I look back on. I can I can. I can excuse the earlier times because I was ignorant and, and, you know, the way I was raised, that kind of thing. I can look back and say, well, you know, I was just ignorant. But that time I, I was actually bringing shame upon the name of Christ. And it still bothers me. You know, it still bothers me. I know, I know the Lord's forgiven me and all that, but 
it's still sure. it's just shameful. And so that's why I say that that time that time period is a dark period. And I look back and I'm like, how in the world could you think that you were saved? I mean, if I met myself today, if I had met the 17 <laughs> yeah. year old yeah. self, I mean, right. I would look at myself and say, dude, there ain't a chance. There's no chance <laughs> under heaven that you know God at all. But I wow. I didn't know it. Yeah, I just didn't. I didn't know it. Wow. And so, and so that eventually led to this midnight meeting where you, yeah, this, oh yeah, so I went to the, the camp. The that, yeah, the devotion. I, I got sidetracked there. So the the kids were having their devotions, and it, I felt so out of place. I felt weird because I didn't have that kind of devotional, you know, sincerity and heart, you know, with God. I have God. So, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and so anyway, that night we had a service, and um, the service was just you know normal. But then we went back to the went back to the cabin and we did the evening the night the uh, the, the devotions before bed, and that, that's when that counselor gave his testimony. And during that testimony, um, I I can't explain why it was wow. at that time, but it was like God shot a shot an arrow right into me, sure. and I sat there and I, my heart's just pounding, and I'm thinking to my and I'm thinking to myself, this is you. This is you. This is wow. you. That's what I'm thinking. Is I I clearly remember the Lord the Lord saying, "This is you. This is you." Wow. And uh, so he asked. You know, he did his. Uh, you know, he gave his devotion and gave his testimony. And he asked if you know if anybody you know was if it, if there was anyone that wasn't sure that they were saved to mm-hmm. raise their hand. And I, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't do it. And wow. I was embarrassed. You know. And so, so I made a promise to myself right then. I said, okay, he went through it a couple of times. I said, well, if, if he, if he goes through this one more time and asks for people to raise their hands again, I'm, I'm going to raise my hand. <laughs> and, and he said, right after that, he said, I just don't feel like we should close up our devotion here and, and, and go to bed. I, I, I just feel like God wants me to, to, to ask you again, is there anybody that, that is not sure you're saved? And right. so I raised my hand and that was probably 10 or so, 11 o'clock maybe at night. And no. so, so I, we went to a different bedroom in the cabin as a multiple bedroom set up and we went to a different bedroom and he talked to me and he talked to me. It must've been so frustrating because I just, I sat there and I told him, <laughs> I told him, I just don't know if I'm saved. I just don't know. I just don't know. And I was struggling fighting with it and stuff. And, Eventually, the whole thing moved into the cafeteria because it was right next door to the cafeteria and the the dining hall. And so all the campers in that cabin, they were all teenagers, you know, like I was. And they they all went in there. And so I finally in the cafeteria, I finally told the guy, I said, you know, I'm I'm frustrated, too, because, you know, I don't really know if I'm saved and that kind of thing. So. Right. So I said, I'm going to go back into the kitchen and I'm going to ask God just to show me because I don't know what else to do. So I went back into the kitchen and I knelt down in front of a chair and I didn't know it. But when I went back there, all those, the the counselor and all the campers had got down their knees to pray for me and, wow. and to ask wow. God to, to, to show me, you know, show me if I, if I was saved or if I wasn't and all that. And so I got, I sat down there and, Almost, I mean, almost as soon as I knelt down, 
and started praying, asking God, should Lord show me, am I, am I saved or not? I just don't know. And it was just like, it was like a beam of spiritual light came on in my brain. And it was, <laughs> like I say, it was like the first time, probably, probably first time I remember that it was clear. It was just like, you're, wow. you're, you're not safe. You just, you just ain't, you just ain't got it. And so wow. because I knew the gospel, you know, I already knew it. Uh, so right there and then I said, you know, Lord, I'm, you know, I'm, I need you to save me and to take my sin away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I, I called on the Lord and, and he saved me and I walked out of the kitchen, didn't I walked out of the, yeah, the kitchen and all those guys had been praying for me and, um, and just the Lord filled my mouth with a, with a testimony and Amen. I testified about what he had done and how I had been deceived and that kind of thing. And, um, and several other people got saved that that night as well. And then later on in the camp, uh, a lot of a lot of teenagers um, either got saved or got assurance of their excuse me assurance of their salvation during that time. But it wasn't mm-hmm. to be honest. It was years after that before I really settled with assurance of my salvation. So I'm I'm one hundred percent. 150% positive that I got saved that day on August 4th. But mm-hmm. in the time after that, because of my religious, you know, experiences before some, and because of my own embarrassment and shame, I didn't want to really admit that that's when I got saved. So about, right. about right. a week or two after I got saved is when the doubts started to come probably a week, not, not even a week. I started to have doubts. Well, maybe you already saved before and <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing. And so what it did is, that led into a, a dark kind of real big struggle that lasted for years, lasted for wow. years, lasted through my, most of my Bible college, maybe after my Bible college years, I don't really remember, but it came in, it came in waves. And over time though, I learned, you know, God taught me to deal with it scripturally, with that is with his word. And eventually, eventually through his word, he, you know, he convinced me like, like Romans eight, you know, mm-hmm. that the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And eventually, um, eventually the Lord, the Lord taught me how to deal with doubt. And eventually he just totally eradicated it. And, uh, and I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of people, especially people that's raised in the South deal with doubt. Sure. Um, uh, especially people that come up maybe in Christian homes or whatever, they deal with doubt. And uh, even adults, they go into their adult life and they are plagued with not really knowing if they're saved. And I dealt with that for a long time, but thank God he, he, he did give me, eventually he gave me assurance. And uh, right. So that's the story. So from, from, you know, so then, you told us a little bit about how you met your wife that, that interestingly enough, you met your, your senior year at Tabernacle. Mm-hmm. How did you two come to understand that, you know, this is, this is what you should do, that you should get married and, and begin to build a life together. To hear brother Adam answer that question, you'll have to come back next week, but what a life to consider stumbling through the darkness of religion surrounded by people that maybe spoke well of God, but not according to knowledge. 
A person's reverence for the Bible is important, but it's not a sufficient substitute for faith in Jesus Christ. A phenomenon exists in which people that live below the Mason-Dixon line assume they are right with God. Of course, this is improper thinking, but praise God, he is gracious, and whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you for listening, and God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.